this week we're going to be reading in the Torah, Parashat Kitisa, very special parsha, a variety of uh, of topics. One of the one of the scenarios in the parsha is when Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Hakadosh Baruch Hu to ask for repentance, repentance for the one of our our archetype sins, our primordial sins, the the golden calf. When, when Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to the to the mountain to ask for Hashem's repentance. So one of the one of the occurrences there is that he he merits to see Hashem, and but the Torah describes that he only sees Hakadosh Baruch Hu's backside. In Chazal, it says that he saw tefillin, a, a knot of tefillin, like the the tefillin we wear on our heads. So in the back of the tefillin, there is a knot, a special type of tie of the two leather bands that wrap the tefillin around our head, and then they dangle down to our chest. And the, the Torah says that the Kodesh Baruch Hu promises Moshe Rabbeinu that he'll, he'll marry to see him, but only see his backside. And, uh, and in the Chazal, it's explained that what he saw, what he actually witnessed was this, uh, a knot, like a Kodesh Baruch Hu's tefillin. Now we're here in, the, in this week's portion of Me'ashiloch, so he contemplates on the, on the meaning of what, what, this, what this experience is. The Vort he represents, is the, again, the first topic he discusses is that there's front and back. And everything that is front and back. Now, this is a fundamental topic in Hasidut. That there's pnim vechutz. And the, the word for front in Hebrew is panim, face. Now, face in Hebrew also means inner. When you say panim, you also mean the inner side. There's the exterior, the outer side of something, and then there's the interior. So the phrases for, for front and back are synonym to the phrases for in and out, interior and exterior. Now, what, what do these phrases usually represent? So simply they represent that, why is there a synonym as well? Why does the, why does the word forward or front also mean inwards? Because what, what the inner, the content of something represents is what you're facing, where your face is going. Like there's, I mean, the, the simplest uh, idiom for this is like a means and an end. So everything in life, there are things that are more, that are more purposeful. Let's say a person, uh, he goes to work because he wants to make money. So... So the money that he's making, that's that's his uh, purpose. So that's where his face is facing. Even though he's going to work, but he's not facing his work. And if, if the if the work he's going to is only a, a means towards an end, so that's called an exterior. The the means is the exterior of the end. And it, it constitutes, it holds it together, but that's not where you're facing. So again, the, that's why the word in Hebrew... For interior is also the same word for face, panim, because that's again that's where your face is facing. It's facing for what's inside, like the purpose, the point of everything. Now, obviously, these two things depend on one one another. Like, like the example, the classic example, would be like a cup. If you have a cup, so you only use again the purpose is only the interior. You don't really need the exterior. So we we could we could produce cups with no exterior. That would save half the funding of the cup. So obviously that's not going to work because the exterior it holds the interior together. But still, nonetheless, the interior is where you're facing. So same thing in life. Same thing in, in all aspects. That there's always a, a dimension that's purposeful. That that's where my face is facing. There's a dimension that's uh, that's again a means towards that end. Now, how how does he describe it here? That. Uh, that also in reality, we have our experience of reality as such, that very often there are things that we don't see the purpose of them. 
like bad things. So if there's hardship or something going on in life, it's not, I don't see exactly why this is purposeful. Not only think, uh, there are also choices that we make, like the example we said before. Like a person could devote a, a very large proportion of, of his time to do things that are only a means towards an end. Like maybe the example we said, the classic example, you go to work because you want to make money. Also, you want to make money because you want to use it because you want to, you, know, you want to sustain your family, you want to grow, you want to, you want to do shlichus, maybe you want to do wonderful things, but our entire life is like an onion. There are peels, and some peels are more interior, and then they're more purposeful, and the purpose is, is explicit or experienced. It shines through, and some, some peels, some layers of our life can, uh, can be so distant from the core that the purpose diminishes. Now, if you go too far in life, like if you take a job that's it's so distant from anything you'd want to be doing just for a for an external purpose then it could be that you're going to you're going to be feel, feeling very awkward maybe even suffering because the more you the more you stray from the purpose then the more the where your face is facing is distant from you so your experience is going to be unpleasant so that might not be a smart thing to do but other than the choices we have also seemingly in the experiences of life it also feels that way very often we go through things that we don't understand the purpose of them and that's what he describes here that saying that Moshe Rabbeinu saw Kodesh Baruch Hu's backside he only saw Hashem from the back is implying that he he the way he viewed Hashem in reality is such that that there's a means and an end that not everything seemed like Hashem is present in it there, there's the present he saw Hashem's presence but it seemed that there were things that were only serving Hashem's presence. They weren't part of Hashem's presence. And another idiom he brings here, which is again another, these are basic synonyms we need to contemplate to see why there's, they, they coexist, is that a means and an end is also referring to the past and the present. Very similar to what we discussed last week, if you recall. So this Torah has, it's intertwined with what he discussed last week as well. The, 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 the past is something in your back. Again, just like, it's like a, in a physical context. What's in the past is like in your back end. And you're also, it's facing the back. The, the past is like a means towards the present. Like the present is funneling in all the moments of the past. So all the moments of the past build up to the present. So in a sense, the past is also a means towards an end. What's happening today, the present, that's the purpose. And all of the past is a serving to build up to this moment. So that's like a, a constant like axiomatic existence the past is always leading up to the present so inevitably the past is always on your back end it's always relatively an exterior and the present is always where you're facing now that's exactly what the experience of a present means the present is like saying that this is where the creator is focused right now like where's Hashem's attention what's happening right now so so what's happening that's what's happening whatever creation whatever is happening in existence that's exactly where what is happening what Akash Baruch is actually doing now what was so that just led up to what's happening today. So another, again, another synonym term here for purpose and means towards an end or for interior and exterior is past and present. So that's one of the most important examples that he brings here. To say that the Moshe Rabbeinu viewed Hashem in the, he only saw his back, his backside is to say that he was only capable of seeing a Kodesh Baruch Hu's present, presence in retrospect. This is what's very similar to what he discussed last week that very often when there are again when there are means in our life like there are bad circumstances or unpleasant occurrences so we're only able to see Hashem's presence or to see them as something purposeful when they add up into a consequence that we can that's that's clear to us so when we experience them it could be that they were unpleasant but maybe later like you say you missed the bus something happened but 
after a while it accumulated and you see how everything was in divine providence. You see the Ashkachapatit, and then you can, in retrospect, maybe even if there were very dire circumstances, maybe a person went through certain hardship, like a hard heart disease or something awful like that. But in again, in the from the vantage point of, of time, in in a large retrospect, you view your, your past back. And you see how it built up to, to a present. You reach your present point where Hashem is present in your life. And suddenly you can view in retrospect all of these occurrences and see how they were how they were good. You can see Hashem's presence in them leading up to this moment. So much so that it could very be very often. It could be that a person a person wouldn't give up on his hardships in retrospect. But when you were there, like in the present moment, so it didn't feel that way. It felt like it was a backside. But afterwards, when you view it from the back, like you view it in retrospect, so then you can see Hashem's presence. So that's how he explains this idiom that, that Moshe Rabbeinu, even again Moshe, the biggest prophet, in the beginning of time, when he's just given the Torah, the first revelation of Hashem, so still all he's capable of seeing is Hashem in retrospect. He can see how everything adds up, but he can't see it happening in the occurrence. So this is very, uh, again, very similar to how Many of us very often experience life to this day. That in retrospect, we can see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's divine providence. We can see His presence. But whilst things are happening in the present, so we don't see His face-to-face appearance. Only when we view it in retrospect can we add up all the dots. And then at that point, it all sweetens. At that point, we could really even feel that we wouldn't give up on anything. Even what was experienced in the present as a hardship when we were there. So in retrospect, we could see it as, a, as an asset. Even though we experienced it as a liability. But afterwards I say, no, this is an asset. I wouldn't give up on that. I wouldn't give up on that hardship. I wouldn't give up, give up on that pitfall. I wouldn't give up on it in retrospect. But when I was going through it, it, was, it wasn't, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see Hashem in it while it was happening. So that sort of experience of life, or that sort of relationship with the Kadosh Baruch where, where often or maybe all the time or even just on certain occasions we see Hashem only appearing in retrospect, that, that's, that implies seeing Hashem from the back end on all of these different layers that we described, that you're seeing Him sometimes as a means towards an end, also you're seeing only in retrospect in the past. So all these idioms imply seeing the back end of Hashem. Now, this is what the Torah says about Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest prophet, that even Moshe Rabbeinu, when he got the Torah, still like this, this, this new revelation of Hashem was so counterintuitive, it was so new to reality, and the experience of tangible existence with all of its hardship was so simple and axiomatic and and goes without saying that Hashem's revelation even though he revealed himself still it only digested in retrospect oh yeah it, it, after the experience I could realize that that was a Kaddish Baruch now the Ishbitzah brings here at the end that there's a famous Midrash that says that that uh, Rabbi Akiva he saw Hashem's front end again this is all the, all the idioms that appear are discussing Hashem's tefillin. Which part of the tefillin you see? So the image is that HaKadosh Baruch was wearing tefillin. He also explains why tefillin, because tefillin are what imply or represent the knot, the tie between us and HaKadosh Baruch Because that's what the tefillin are. That's exactly what the tefillin also, Chazal say, the our tefillin, like we know, the tefillin say inside that we praise Hashem's unity, that everything is HaKadosh Baruch And also Chazal say in the Midrash that HaKadosh Baruch also wears tefillin, and in his tefillin, he praises us. And he praises us for being the ones praising him. So this is a broad topic in Chassid. We're not going to get into it right now. But how tefillin is like the mutual point of view where we share a certain point of view with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now that's exactly what this is implying. 
that we can only share that point of view. view. Seeing Hashem from the back end means we can only share a mutual point of view in retrospect. So whilst things are happening, there's a feeling that we experience things differently. And that Hashem says that He's always facing us and He's always doing just good, but we don't feel it that way. And we only see His point of view. We only see things as purposeful and good in retrospect. So that's saying that we can only see Hashem's point of view from the back end. Again, in retrospect. But about Rabbi Akiva, it says, this is a few thousand years later, that he merited to see more than Moshe Rabbeinu. He merited to see Hashem's front like point of view, which again is implying that he could experience the purposefulness of every scenario in life whilst it was happening in the present, face to face, not just in retrospect. That's what it implies to see the, the front view of Hashem. Now, how, how, how is this possible? How does that happen? So really, this, this occurrence is the process of refinement of time. Now, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was the, the largest prophet, but still, every, every uh, enlightenment, any, every conclusion, like that example we said before, that you have a, a divine providence in life. So very often, whilst you were going through the experience, so it felt like something not good. And only in retrospect, you can see that it was good. But what happens in the accumulation mass of several occurrences. Like time and time again, you have this, again, if you contemplate and you're, you're using your mind and you're devoting your thought to Hashem, you're studying, and you go through experiences in life. Now at first, like Moshe Rabbeinu, every experience, so while you're going through it, it, it might feel harsh, but in retrospect, if you contemplate, you merit to see that I wouldn't give up on that. That was, that was an asset given to me by Hashem, it was a gift. And now I can see it, I see all the, the dots put, coming together. Now, if, if an occurrence like that happens time and time again, that sort of contemplation, where you see Hashem in retrospect time and time again, so slowly but surely, it builds up, it accumulates to an understanding of, of the system, we could say. And it's like working with a person. And after a few times of reassessing what just happened, so you, you start to understand His personality. You understand who you're working with. Now, the more I, I get to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we'll use that phrase, like the more experience I have, the more divine providence I have, the more times I missed the bus and it worked out for the best, the more that awareness starts flickering into the present experience because I, I, I already have previous conclusions. So if I've gone through life and I've contemplated time and time again, and time and time again in retrospect, I was able to see how everything sweetened, how everything was for the best. So after enough times, I, it, it starts flickering into the present. So I miss the bus now, and already in the present, I have that sensation that I know where this is going. Because I, I have that experience, that exper experiential contemplation. Now an accumulation of contemplation, of realizing Hashem's presence in retrospect, will accumulate until it kind of catches up with the present. So the more you do, the more you contemplate, the more you devote your mind to this, the more what initially is experienced as a retro active contemplation starts seeping into your actual tangible present experience and that's called seeing the face of Hashem so you're moving from the back end to the front and that's what Nishbisa explains that implies about Rabbi Akiva and Moshe Rabbeinu that even though Moshe Rabbeinu in the beginning of the revelation of Hashem it was something that he could only understand in retrospect but the more the Jewish people accumulated this understanding 
the more the realization of Hashem's nature, of, of who He is, of His goodness, became a conviction, an existential conviction, so much so that the experience of sweetening, of retroactive sweetening, seeped in to the present occurrence. And that's called seeing Hashem face to face. That already in the present moment, I can already feel the goodness within the circumstance. I can see Hashem's view within the circumstances. And so it's like, it's like you know the scriptwriter so well that you can anticipate where it's going whilst it's happening. The first time you see his movies, it's all a surprise. But once you get to know his pace, then your understanding and your accumulating understanding, retroactive understanding seeps into the present. And that's what happens with Rabbi Akiva. So even though he's many generations after Moshe Rabbeinu, the largest prophet, still he's building up on that understanding. So it's like an accumulating faith. It's an accumulating trickling in of your faith until, until it becomes your present attitude. It stops being in your past, in your back end, starts being in your front, and then you're seeing face-to-face -face like you're seeing Hashem's face right now in the present where He's facing, which is exactly what's happening because Hashem's always face-to-face. -face. He's always in the present. That's what the present is. The experience of a present is that there's as if something that Hashem's concentrated on. But we, again, like we said, at first we don't feel it that way because it takes us time to kind of get to know Him. Or to, to realize how things work. But the, the accumulating contemplation seeps into the present. Now this is a very important like foundation, milestone in the study of Hasidut. That every study you do is initially counterintuitive. Every understanding, any concept you study. So again, because it's new, it's always inherently counterintuitive. And the, the process of implication or of contemplation of hitboninut, meditation more than it's seeking to, to create a, a synthetic conviction, it's just to kind of marinate within the content and go through the experiences of life until the experience and the friction with reality authenticates your acquired understandings time and time again. And that authentication process enables a new, count, what used to be a counterintuitive experience to slowly but truly seep in until it constitutes a second nature. And it becomes a natural point of view. What was at first very counterintuitive, very revolutionary, slowly but, but truly should seep in. Again, if you if you work at it, then it seeps in until it becomes intuitive. It becomes your natural point of view on life. And the, the most archetype idea of that is what he's describing here. That initially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in any way and fashion is something counterintuitive. The more you contemplate on it, the more in retrospect it becomes clear. And that retrospect becomes shorter and shorter and shorter once you get to know him until you can feel it within the present circumstances. So this is a, a very fundamental, important view of how the entire study of Hasidu works, how, how the, the marinating, the seeping within the content slowly but surely trickles in to constitute a natural awareness of our, of a, of a upgraded, a better, uh, a more, a more uh, peaceful, present, natural experience of our relationship with Hashem. Bezrat Hashem. So that's today's word in Parshat Kitisa. We should go from viewing Hashem only from the back end, in the past, and we should be Again, we should do that a lot, so much so that the past will catch up with the future and we'll find ourselves face-to-face, -face, simultaneous in the, in the experience of the present, viewing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mizrat Hashem. Shavuot to everyone.